One of the themes of Scripture is uh, the nature and the attributes of God. God wants us to know who He is by His definition and not by that that the world might make up. And so, in Scripture, we see God doing things and saying things to help us understand who He is. He wants us to understand so that we might relate to Him, relate with Him. And the real God of Scripture is really a lot different than the idea that the world had of gods that were really not gods, but only idols. And so, Scripture tells us who God is. It begins with His creative power, and that God is the one who has made us, not we ourselves. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He is the source. He is the one who starts the whole universe. In the Old Testament, then, again and again shows us God's desire and ability to relate to the human creation, to nature, to us. The Old Testament tells us story after story of how God sought out communication with His creation. Uh, he spoke with Adam and Eve in the garden, and then with Noah before the flood, giving the instructions about building the ark, because all the rest of huma uh, humanity would not listen to him. And then he, he talks with Abraham and the prophets and the leaders of Israel. God wanted to communicate with us, to talk with us. The Old Testament tells us of God's ever-presence and presence everywhere. So that we know that He is always there and there in every place. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And He walked with Abraham in His travels. And wherever Abraham went, God was already there because our God moves. He's not confined to this wooden object or this, this crafted stone and setting on a shelf. He was in Egypt with the descendants of Jacob. And he traveled with them to the promised land. He didn't stay in Egypt. God was even in Babylon with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God was greater than and more powerful than any of the gods, all the gods of every nation where they went, of the gods worshipped by the nations who did not understand, who had not listened to the voice of God. The New Testament, God is being introduced to other nations around the world so that they also might understand, might know who God is. As Paul preaches about God in Athens, that place of philosophers and, and people who sit around all the time uh, philosophizing, 
Paul would say, Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries for their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own prophets have said, we are all indeed His offspring. God's not defined by us. But instead, God defines who we are. And though we may think that we can put Him in a box and, and mandate who He is and, and how we might relate to Him, well, if you've read C.S. Lewis or maybe The, the Lion, the Witch, uh, and the Wardrobe, Aslan is not a tamed lion. We can't put God in a box. We can't say stay there and expect Him to. Because God goes where God wants to go. And God does what God wants to do. God might limit Himself by His nature and His eternal plans... But God has never been limited by humankind. We do not have the power to constrain or limit what our God does. God needs nothing from us. Even though He wants our worship, He he wants our love, He wants our obedience. He doesn't need anything. God determines our boundaries. We don't decide His. We don't decide where He goes. He is the one who makes His own decision. The pagan gods or idols made by human hands and worshipped by those who had been deluded. The Old Testament prophets would laugh at them. (laughs) But they had to take their gods wherever they went. That was not the true nature of the God of creation. God's prophets wanted Israel to understand the foolishness of the way the pagans thought. They wanted Israel to understand that because there is sometimes this overwhelming tendency to go after those things of our friends and our neighbors and and adopt the same ideas that they have. So God's prophets talked about the foolishness of the ideas of the pagans. They even taunted the nations who worshipped gods made of wood or stone or metal. Jeremiah 10 verse 1, and the Lord said, listen to me you people of Israel, Don't follow the customs of those nations who become frightened when they see something strange happen in the sky. 
Their religion is worthless. They chop down a tree and carve the wood into an idol, cover it with silver and gold, and then nail it down so it won't fall over. An idol is no better than a scarecrow. It can't speak. It has to be carried because it can't walk. Why worship an idol that can't help or harm you? Or Isaiah 40, verse 19. Is an idol at all like God? It's made of bronze with a thin layer of gold and decorated with silver. Our special wood may be chosen because it doesn't rot. (laughs) Then skilled hands take care to make it an idol that won't fall on its face. Idols were inanimate objects. They couldn't move on their own. They had to be placed on a pedestal uh, or nailed down so it wouldn't fall over. If you wanted to go someplace and you wanted your God still with you, you had to pick him up and take him with you. He couldn't go there, meet you there. Why would anyone ever want to worship a God that could not help them or harm them? No power. God is different than the inanimate idols of ages past. God is not dependent on the creation He has made to make Him or place Him or have any effect at all on Him. God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He spoke with Cain about the trouble he was having with his brother Abel. He stopped by Abraham's tent and had dinner one evening. Talked over his plans with Abraham about the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He confronted Moses in a burning bush. Met him on top of the mountains and gave him... Laws, rules to govern the people of Israel. And in addition to that, His glorious presence went before Israel through the Red Sea and all the way to the Promised Land. Our God is not a God that stays in one place. He is a God who can move. He is a God who can be anywhere with anyone. Psalm talks about his being able to draw near to us, especially in response to our heart's yearning for his nearness. Psalm 27, verse 9, Hide not your face from me, turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not, O God, my salvation. Or in Psalm 69, verse 16, Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good according to your abundant mercy. Turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste and answer me. Draw near to my soul. Redeem me. Ransom me because of my enemies. 
Our God can draw near. Our God can move. Our God is always on the move, always doing something. Our God is always walking around involved with His people, involved in this world, the world that He created. So it shouldn't be a surprise to us that we see Jesus doing the same thing. When He was on this earth, He was never in one place by uh, very long He was always going to a different place, talking to a different people. While every village in Scripture is not named, many of them are. But Jesus was always going to this place and to that place and to another place, talking about the gospel and the coming kingdom of God, the presence of God with us. Jesus wanted to see as many different people as he could, and he wanted as many different people to be able to see him. Because he was there in the presence of God, as God. Peter, one time, was having a conversation with Jesus and said, Jesus, the crowds are are, are gathering here. You need to come out and speak to them. To which Jesus said, no, I need to be on the move still. Uh, Mark 1, verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus may have never traveled very far from where he was born. It's a couple of hundred miles maybe is all. But he was still always on the move. And God is on the move today. That's what I want us to understand. God moves still. And there are signs of the Lord in every place, always. The Spirit continues to move. In Genesis, we see the Spirit moving on the surface of the waters. Some would say that glorious presence of God that led Israel through the wilderness into the promised land was the presence of God, the Spirit of God. And it was the Spirit of God that was in the tabernacle first and then the temple. That glorious presence of God, that Shekinah glory of Him there in the Holy of Holies. And in the New Testament we see the Spirit descending like a dove on Jesus when He was baptized. But then the Spirit of the Lord in Jerusalem falling on the disciples there as clothes of fire. Or later in Caesarea on Cornelius in his household. And it was the Spirit of God that was with Peter and Paul as they made their journeys throughout all the world proclaiming Jesus to be the Christ, the true Son of God, the giver of hope, the giver of salvation. Paul speaks of the Spirit as directing his steps, not letting him go to one place, but directing him to another place. The Spirit and the presence of God never remained still. It wasn't confined to one place, or he isn't confined to one place. 
This is a great truth about our God. He is not confined to a temple in Jerusalem, or Rome, or Mecca, or Washington, or Winsboro. God is not confined to the interior of this building or any other building. Even though He is here. And He is here in a mighty way. Because our God truly is God. And He can be in all places. And has been at all times. A pagan idea is that somehow we can pigeonhole God. We can confine Him, lock Him up even. But our God is every place. He moves and He goes where He chooses. And God does what God chooses to do. Not what we demand Him to do, even though we can ask. But we cannot require. He is the Creator. <laughs> we are the created. We can ask, and we know God hears. But again, we cannot demand. Because God is the Creator. We did not fashion Him from wood or stone. Our metal. We cannot go where God cannot be. We can't dictate who He is or what He's going to be. Strangely enough, we do often find ourselves where we don't sense His presence. Where we don't believe that he's there. And it's not really because he can't be there. But because we have chosen to exclude him from ourselves. And so we have the sense that he's not there because we've closed our heart to his presence. Because we have sinned. Remember... In the days of Ezekiel, the prophet, that prophet of God said that he saw the glory of God leave Israel, leave the temple, because of the great sin of Israel. I think sometimes that happens to us. Because of our sin, because of our rebellion, because of our rejection of him, then it is as though he leaves us. God will not be where God is not wanted. And if we don't want Him, He won't be with us. There, the other side of that coin is true. There is no place where God cannot be if we seek His presence. There's no valley too deep. There's, there's no place where God cannot find us if we want His presence. We can find God in any room in our house, in any conversation we have, 
if we want him there. We can find God sitting on any pew in this building, praising God in song or communion around this table, if we want to find him. But if our heart is closed to him, we may see others in praise, but we are not. We may see others near God, but we are not. When we look for God, we can see Him. That place, wherever it might be, becomes very important to us because we have a sense of His presence. And so this place, I'm sure for all of us, we have experienced the praise of God. We have experienced the presence, uh, His presence with us as we lifted ourselves in praise to His name. Any place can be, camp, a mountaintop, a time in prayer with other Christians can become a special place where we sense the presence of God. I really believe that this is a place that's special for all of us because when we gather together every Sunday and we praise God, this becomes a special place of praise, a special place of the presence of God. Maybe some Sundays more than others, but every Sunday where we're gathered around this table and he said he would be with us as we commune around this table. God's habit of moving can sometimes frustrate us a little bit because there are times when we do not sense that presence when we feel an estrangement, a, a distance from God. We're human. And life happens. Moods change. People around us change. Uh, sometimes it doesn't feel like God is next to us. But instead a long ways away. Here's the truth we need to understand. When God seems distant, we are the ones who have created the distance. When God walked in the garden looking for Adam and Eve, they were the ones who had sinned and hidden. They created the distance. It is our sin, our hardness of heart, that makes the distance between the God who seeks us and ourselves. Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, and His ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He does not hear. When our heart's in the wrong place, yet we're not going to feel the presence of God. Even when we cry out because of His absence, until we deal with our iniquities, admitting them, repenting of them, God will still feel distant to us. And so if we're having that sense, God is a long ways from me, the first place we need to look is within ourselves. 
What am I holding on to that keeps him at a distance? What wrong? What hatred? What sin? What, what am I holding on to that's separating me from him? King Saul complained. God's not hearing my prayer. God's not listening to me. But he was living in defiance. He was living in arrogance. He was living in pride, in rebellion to God. And he would not give that up. And so God did not return. God chose another king, David, in his place. Sometimes we may want to cry out, Where are you, Lord? But when that's the sense of our heart, what we need to do first is saying, What is within me, God? That's separating me from you. We need to look within ourselves to the sin that may be hidden. Jesus doesn't stay where we put him. We enjoy encountering God here, being in the presence of Jesus here, because this is a comfortable place. It's, a, it's an easy place. Everybody here wants to have a sense of the presence of God. We're united in song, commune around the table. It's easy to seek out God in this place. But we do not always want Jesus going with us in all the other places we visit. It's kind of like we want to keep work and church separate. Or we, we want to keep our life over here and our faith over here separate. We don't want Jesus going with us to Las Vegas. <laughs> we, and we want whatever happens in Las Vegas to stay there. Or whatever happens at work to stay there. Or whatever happens on Friday night to stay there. Truth is, wherever we go, Jesus is there, even though we don't feel His presence. He knows. We may not see Him. We may not feel His presence. Our closed heart blocks His glorious presence from our sight. There's another unfortunate, unintended consequence when that's the attitude that we learn from Saul and his despair. When we don't want him today, when we go back to the box to open it up to find him, he won't be there. Because Jesus doesn't stay put. We cannot keep God in a box. If our intention is to only have interaction with the Lord when we are surrounded by these walls, it's going to be difficult for us to have a sense of His presence even in these walls. 
Aslan is not a tame lion. He's also not a caged lion. We cannot keep him and mandate to him who he is and where he'll be. But to hearts that are open, Jesus says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. I'll be with you wherever you go, whatever you're doing, if you're open to my presence, if you're doing my will. He shows up everywhere to guide, to assist, to inspire, to encourage. If we will allow Him, we will find His words coming from our mouths as we're talking to a friend or a neighbor. If we're open to His presence, we'll find His guidance through difficulty and and heartache, through painful situations. We'll have a sense of His holding our hand, walking us through the valley, even the valley of the shadow of death. Friends may abandon us. We may feel completely alone in this earth. But if we're open to Him, we're never alone. He's always there. The end of the ministry of Jesus. His enemies wanted to get rid of this man they saw as a threat to their lifestyle. They wanted to put away Jesus. And so they crucified him. Hung him on a cross. At the end of the day, they took his body and they placed it in a tomb. And they rolled a stone over it and they told the Roman guard, seal it with a Roman seal. Nobody can open it. He'll stay there. We'll box him up. We will keep him from interfering with our lives forevermore. So the Roman soldiers put him there, roll the stone, put the seal on him. But our God is a God who moves, and he cannot be locked up. And so up from the grave he arose, a mighty triumph over his foes. The disciples had panicked. They felt defeated. They had killed their Savior. Jesus had told them of the events that were coming. They should have known, should have understood, but they didn't. He told them that he would be betrayed, that he would die, he would be buried, but that he would live again. It's too hard for them to remember that. That seems so unnatural. Still, the betrayal, the arrest, it decimated their hearts. They felt alone. But even in his death, Jesus could not be far away still. He was still near. While the disciples mourned, 
Jesus appeared. There in the closed room, when, when they were huddled and afraid, Jesus came in and said, My peace I give to you. You see, Jesus never stays where we think we have put him. That Sunday morning, when some of the disciples went to the tomb, he wasn't there. Even though they cowered behind closed doors, he showed up. Jesus never stays where we think we have locked him up. He showed him his hands, his feet. He ate food. It's me. He told him to go on to Galilee. He'd meet him again there. Our God moves. He told them, well, he sent them throughout all the world. Matthew 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Some still doubted. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is every place. He goes everywhere. He is ever-present in every place. God was present in the manifestation of the Spirit when the church began. And God was present in the manifestation of the Spirit when the gospel moved into the Gentile world. He was present when Peter was released from jail. And he was present uh, in the life of Paul when Paul was shipwrecked on his way as a prisoner to Rome. He is present in the life of John when John proclaimed future events coming and the triumph of the church over the evil that's in the world. Jesus is not far off, not distant from us, but He's here. He is present. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He has been with believers wherever believers have called on His name. Because of our humanness, sometimes it's hard for us to sense that. Life happens, distractions happen, temptations happen. When Jesus feels far away, look within yourself. Have I built the wall? Find your special place, even if it's only in your mind, where you've sensed His presence. Remind yourself, Jesus promised to be with us always, even to the end of the age. Satan can never hold us where Jesus cannot find us and liberate us from His chains. There's no darkness too deep that Jesus cannot find us and give us the light of His love and gospel. There's no despair too heavy that Jesus cannot come and lift us up because His burden is light and easy. 
Call on the name of Jesus. Call on the name of the Lord. To a heart that is open, Jesus is here, ready, and always able to be with you. But do not ask God to be with you if you are not willing to move your feet in His service. Don't ask God to be with you if all you want to do is sit. Because He will not sit. Jesus will not stay and remain motionless. If we want to be with Jesus, we'll have to move our feet in ministry. If we want to be with Jesus, we're going to have to open our wallets. If we all want to be with Jesus, we're going to have to make other friendships, to reach out to others that yet do not know the Lord. If we want to be with Jesus, we have to love even the least of these throughout all the world. We want to be with Jesus. Sometimes we're going to be uncomfortable because He's going to lead us to places that we've never been before. If we are out there doing the will of God, then wherever we go, Jesus will be with us. Maybe today you feel estranged from God. You want to come back. If it's sin within you that's making that conflict, we'll pray with you that God removes that sin. If you're not yet a child of God, if you've not been buried with Jesus in baptism for the remission of your sins, that we can do that today. And you can be bathed in the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive your sins.